0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your hand and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, As you probably know, and as I was regaling at the uh, dinner table this evening, we have been in England and Scotland for the last couple of weeks. We toured many historical sites, as you can maybe imagine, cathedrals and castles and, um, you know, Roman Empire sites, etc., Many years uh, were spanned in the sites you can see in that era, all the way from the Roman times, of course, to World War II and beyond. And in all kinds of locations and in all kinds of ways, the reality of status became clear time and again. In the ancient Roman days, there were, of course, nobles and the slaves who served them. There were spaces accessible to people of high standing and, of course, places forbidden to people of low standing. In England, the kings were those who had sufficient armies to conquer lands, and then based on land grants, people became dukes or earls uh, or, you know, were on top of the pecking order. There were certain things that you did or did not do, given your status. Even if you, for example as a nobleman, really wanted to clean your own chamber pot. Oh, no, that would not be allowed. Of course, probably no nobleman would want to do such a thing. But it would simply be not allowed. It's not the sort of thing nobility does. Meanwhile, in the slums, where maybe 16 people lived in a small little room you called a home, it would be the youngest child who would have to uh, take the muck bucket... And very unceremoniously take it out to the street and dump it. Look out below! Everywhere you looked, there were symbols and rites that spoke to status. In Jesus' day, status was equally important. Many sought to be uh, highly thought of, to have high reputations. I mean, in a sense, in the ancient world, you know, your reputation was maybe all you had. For people to see you as learned or cultured or faithful or honorable was important. It was so important that many people had no qualms about announcing their piety for everyone to see. They would let it be known that they were fasting or that they were tithing or that they were praying. The revolution that Jesus brought to the world and manifested in the world. Was that status? It's really not that important. Now, if we're honest, this happened more in American culture, I would argue, than the old world, because the old world retained a kind of caste system, or at least a class system, even after Christianity had seeped into the land. For example, in theory, The United Kingdom is a Christian nation. The king or queen is seen as the head of the Church of England, though I would say the previous monarch did nothing to stop the Church of England from sliding into heresy, so I'm not sure how much good that does. But so long as status is a part of your your society, your culture, then these commands that Jesus gives in Matthew 6, they are hard, if not impossible, to obey. Status had to remain important, and it had to be public. That's why it's only in a country or a culture where status symbols have largely been thrown off that Jesus' ethic could more seriously be considered. Now, I'm not saying that in America we don't have status anymore or status symbols. I'm saying that the first people who came to America had very little status for the most part. Many were indentured servants or slaves or the laboring class that just wanted a bite at the apple. After all, if you were nobility, would you give up the comforts of the day, to, to go rough it in the wilderness of a new and undeveloped land? No, you had it pretty good where you are. It's all the nobility, they stayed over there. And all of you, you're the children of the people who roughed it. Yeah, we threw off all that status stuff. And eventually, without, you know, romanticizing the past, a unique American ethic developed that looked down on status symbols and elitism. And a government was created that actually made the people the sovereign, not a king or queen. It really was a true revolution, and it left us without excuse if we wanted to strive for the ethic of Jesus. Nothing would hold us back from humility, right? Interestingly and coincidentally, an article I just saw today was published yesterday by a pretty well-known evangelical these days who actually argued that we need to be creating new elite-esque status symbols of our own in the evangelical space, something for believing young people to strive for now that the Ivy Leagues and the corporations and the media have all been corrupted by non Christian worldviews. Aaron Wren, whose new book is called Life in the Negative World, Confronting Challenges in an Anti-Christian Culture, says this, quote, in my view, in a negative world, the American church needs to be able to create its own genuinely alternative forms of elite status attainment or else it will always be controlled by the mainstream status system and its values. I guess. I'd rather just leave the world of eliteness behind altogether, if at all possible. But maybe that's impossible. Maybe a high caste is all but inevitable, and we need our own competing high caste. I just can't imagine what that looks like when Matthew says, to think nothing of yourself, to not parade your status before others in the public square. We clearly, though, in America still do have status seekers and status symbols. We we care which celebrities are at the Super Bowl. We care what athletes apparently have to say about things. We turn politicians into modern-day Uh, royalty, some with dynasties all their own. Either way, Ash Wednesday is a great equalizer. It's the time when the words of Jesus can triumph again, or at least we can be reminded of them. We are reminded that no matter our status, we'll all die. Every Ash Wednesday means we are a year closer To dying, and doesn't it seem like Ash Wednesdays come at a faster clip? Is that just part of what happens when you get older? Kings and queens, well, they could pretend their chamber pots didn't stink, but they could only delay death for so long. Just yesterday, I stumbled on a story about a guy who spends two million dollars a year with the hopes of living to one hundred and twenty years. He takes 102 pills a day, exercises an hour a day, counts every calorie, counts every carb, etc. Anyway. We are touched by Jesus' words that reduce our status to nothing. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, it has been said. Whatever status we may have achieved, Jesus says we are to think nothing of it. We are not to parade our piety in front of others. We are not to make ourselves look any better than we are, which are sinners in need of saving and dead men walking. What makes Christianity so unique and what allows it to really be an engine of a true civil and democratic society is precisely that not only are we not better of other people by virtue of our status, we don't even get to pretend like we are. That's how we live at peace with one another and at peace with God. We let God be God, and we are content to be humble sinners who have been saved by the blood of Christ, who are thankful for what God has done for us, and who think of ourselves as no better than anyone else. That's the good news. Now, while Jesus says we are not to parade our piety in front of others, that doesn't mean we are not to have a public faith. Our piety can be an unhealthy reflection of what we think of ourselves. But our faith is what saves the world. So it is true we do not want to give off airs of superiority But we must insist that our faith has a role in the public square. We should all agree, I think, for example, that we don't want to have satanic statues in public places. We should agree that precepts of law can be based on biblical law or an outgrowth of principles that the Bible provides. There is no neutral ground in matters of law and ethics. So we insist that the Christian God, being the God of the whole world, can be and must be the source of our covenants. That is not putting our piety before others in some ceremonious way. That's putting our worldview before others. A worldview that, if not insisted upon, will be treated speaking of classes and castes, as second class. I'm thankful that I live in a country that, at least historically, was a pretty radical break from centuries of cultures where status really meant something, kind of meant everything. In the eyes of Jesus, status means absolutely nothing. So, we don't pray in front of others in some ostentious way, ost- ostentatious way, but we don't shy away from proclaiming Jesus either. I admit, might be a delicate balance to walk. Let us at least try. Amen.